Thank you so much for listening to series one of the Media Careers podcast. We've had such amazing feedback and it's been brilliant to hear how the advice and guidance from our guests has supported and inspired you so much. I also just wanted to flag the show notes to you again. There are direct contact links to our guests within them, as well as links to other companies and organisations who can support and guide you further. So please don't forget to check those out as well. And finally, I have one small favour to ask you. Please could you press the small button to either follow or subscribe to the podcast so we can reach even more people who can hear from these amazing media professionals. Thank you so much and I really hope you enjoy series two. Today's guest is the commissioning editor in news and current affairs at Channel 4 in charge of their new youth strand Untold. Debbie Ramsey started her career at local newspapers and radio stations in the northwest of England, moving on to BRMB radio station in Birmingham, then Capital FM in London. She joined the BBC 17 years ago as a journalist at BBC Radio 1 and 1 Extra Newsbeat. She presented, read bulletins, looked after documentaries, edited the programmes and oversaw online and planning. Debbie worked her way up to Newsbeat editor there, leading a large team of journalists to provide news for 16 to 34 year olds on the BBC's flagship multi-platform youth outlets, including iPlayer. She moved on to become the executive editor and commissioning for BBC News across the UK. Just recently, Debbie was announced as the new editor at Five News for ITN, which she starts later this month. Debbie, welcome to the Media Careers podcast. Thanks, Gary. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're more than welcome. It's lovely to have you here. So, Debbie, I wonder, can you remember when the media industry kind of first came onto your radar? Um, I think it was when I was looking um, at whether or not I was going to go to uni. And if I was, then what was I going to do? Because Mm -hmm. I I really didn't know what I wanted to do, even after I'd done my A-levels. But I was always good at writing. So I thought, well, journalism, writing, newspapers um, might be a good way to go. So um, back then, there were only two uh, universities that did journalism degrees, one in Scotland okay. uh, and the one in Preston that I eventually went to. Um, and I, yeah, so that's when I kind of made that decision of, well, I'm quite nosy. I'm good at writing. So I'll do <laughs> journalism. That might be the path for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, what, yeah. and what were you there? So you obviously love writing. Was that always something that you had from kind of from earlier years when you were a child? Was that something that? Yeah. So I always, always loved uh, reading and writing, uh, maybe partially because growing up we didn't have a TV. So I used to consume a lot of books um, and I certainly used to sort of be quite creative in storytelling though people always used to die in my stories which was a little bit strange um, I remember the teachers remarking on it um, when I was in high school that why does why does somebody always have to die in your story? I don't know what that was all about but I, my sister we're quite a creative family my sister used to write poems all the time and draw and I used to draw as well and paint and and uh, my other sister plays the piano to quite a high standard and yeah so it just seemed sort of natural to go along the one route that I kind of knew about because I, I couldn't decide what I wanted to do. Yeah and 
did that equate to you being academic as well? Was that kind of, did that transfer yeah, that kind of... Yeah. On the, uh, though I was a very bad at, well, I say very bad at maths. I wasn't that bad at maths, but I was quite bad at maths in terms of numbers aren't my thing. It's, it's the words for me. So I took my GCSE maths twice because I got a D the first time. I don't know what that is in numbers because it's numbers now, isn't it? It is numbers now, um, yeah. Um, but I got a D the first time. Um, so I took it again when I was doing my A-levels, so I got a C. Um, Amazing. That's quite a lot to numbers. take on as A-levels as well. They're doing another yeah. GCSE again. And um, the reason why back in the day I was sort of thinking, oh, because my mum was a nurse, so I was sort of thinking, oh, maybe I want to be a doctor. But back in the day, you used to have to take physics as well. And just the numbers in physics got to me. So, um, yeah, I'm just not not very academic when it comes to numbers. But, you know, English and English language and English lit and all the rest of it, you know, I was fine in those areas. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if it involved numbers, not so much, even though I got <laughs> quite a good grade for my chemistry, which did involve some numbers. But, yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah. it seems as though you you kind of knew where your natural talents were as well and that followed yeah. you into your decision around university and and what course yeah. you might take it seems as though you were very self-aware about where your skill sets and also your passions were lying yeah and i i was quite um so with a even when picking my a levels i was like oh, i don't know what to do so i i did a real variety of a levels so I uh, picked Russian A-level and they dropped it because I was the only person who picked it. So then they did the GCSE uh, Russian and I had it into my head. I don't know why, but I had it into my head that I was going to be the first black Russian English interpreter. And uh, that would have been a nightmare. I hate the cold, for one. And two, it's... it's, (laughs) No, it's it's not the most progressive country when it comes to race or or it also or other areas but I had that in my head anyway and wow. only four people did the GCSE and they eventually dropped that as well so I didn't wow. get past Spasiba. Wow. Um, <laughs> wow that's quite uh, is that god that's fascinating just that you were Thinking, well, I, th- I suppose what's interesting about that is that you were thinking about where your future career might be, even if it was something yeah. quite specific and one that yes. you weren't yeah. then going to eventually do, but that you were thinking about yeah. career goals at that point. Yeah. So I did, I, I then did uh, world history, social biology, and French. Amazing. So you're um, really good at languages by the sounds of it. Yeah, but languages as well. Like, again, coming yeah. back to your love of writing and stories and maybe that kind of filters into your love of languages as well amazing so then I I really want to have a deep discussion about the Russian but there we don't think we've got time (laughs) yeah it really has (laughs) so you then went to university to study journalism and then was that really starting to sound like where your path might go at that point did it feel natural Um, when you or not quite yet yeah no no it did I kind of I got pretty quickly the sort of, you know, um, especially how how um, creative things like writing for newspapers are, especially if it's the tabloids, to sum up a story in literally 15 words, 
you know, the average line that you'll find in the Sun newspaper or the Star newspaper, that first sentence will be about 15 words and it's really difficult. Much more simpler to write for the Guardian, the Telegraph, the Independent and some of the magazines that, you know, where your first sentence might be 30 to 45 words. Yeah. Um, it's really difficult. And so I think that that's what led me into radio, actually, that trying to sum up a story in a short space of time. Yeah, because they don't uh, have much airtime, right, to get that no. to get that story out. So, no, no. so then what, so did you start to look at those routes while you were at university or did you make that same well, thing? Well, I, I went down the newspaper route first because, mm. you know, that, that seemed that seemed more natural even though i was thinking radio then but the focus was very much on the one year postgraduate course uh for broadcasting um and they didn't really pay attention to the uh the university specializations in the last year so i went with newspaper writing journalism um and then uh yeah so so i did that and mainly, mainly that, and did touch upon a bit of TV and a bit of radio, but radio was the one that made me think, hmm. This might be for yeah. you. Yeah. So how did you get your jobs in the newspaper? What... So uh, what, what actually happened was I left and then I got a job uh, working um, like the phone lines for a catalogue which people won't probably remember on this call but you used to actually have a catalogue and not go online and look through the catalogue and then ring somebody up to take your order and that used to be me so I did that like it was half day and then at the weekends I worked in a nightclub Amazing. in still in Preston yeah. um afterwards and um then I got into newspapers because somebody who was on the same university course from me said, "Oh, they're looking, they're looking at um, looking for reporters to work on the Formby Times." Okay. Um, so still in the northwest of England. Yeah. Um, are you interested? So after about nine months after I left, I applied for a job as a local reporter uh, in Formby. Amazing. So that was then the first kind of media job yeah. that you'd, that you'd Yeah, started. and then I, I ended up being the news editor at the sister paper in Southport. Um, okay. And that, but at the same time, I was still, well, I really want to get into radio. So okay. I was moonlighting at the weekends, like working seven days a week um, um, at radio stations in the northwest. Yeah. And I had to have a different name and everything because I wasn't allowed to do it. Oh, you had a different name. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever get found out? Did you ever, did those two worlds ever meet? No, not, not by the bosses. Other people knew. <laughs> there were some people, colleagues who knew. Um, and then um, I was reading the news um, on, I, I actually did then go to eventually go full time at Rock FM in Preston. Okay. Um and I was reading the news uh, one day and the head of the station in Birmingham, BR&B, heard me while he was driving down the motorway and got his news editor to phone me up and basically offer me a job. So then I moved to Birmingham and then I'm slowly moving back down the country because I was born in Luton. 
Um, and then I stayed there for two years and then moved to capital in London. Amazing. That What strikes me about that story is just your, as I said earlier, your drive to like follow what you, you kind of were like, I want to yeah. go for radio and that's what I'm after. But also that must have been super challenging working seven days a week trying to get yeah, almost two different personalities but they weren't obviously they were you but trying yeah. to like maintain that separate professionalism and the resilience to just keep on going as well just yeah. that powering through of going i'm going for this and i'm not yeah giving up. so i i i i before i i did work weekends anyway well one day of the weekend um, before because I just like the pay was so bad at the local newspaper I think it was nine thousand pounds a year yeah um so I was I was doing bar work before that yeah. and then I suddenly thought well if I can get paid to do radio work I'll leave the bar work and do the radio work instead so I went yeah. from six five days to six days and then seven days um but yeah it kind of got me where I wanted to, where I wanted to be and then from Capital I went to Radio 1 at Newsbeat so yeah amazing and and from at <laughs> which you spent quite a significant period of yeah, your career so right, I the BBC. most of my career in uh early career in the BBC at Newsbeat kind of worked my way up I did every job there I joined as a journalist a senior journalist I looked after documentaries I voiced documentaries I presented shows I was online editor I was entertainment yeah. editor at one point and I was planning editor deputy editor and then editor and um, so I was yeah and that's what years. yeah yeah and that's what struck me when kind of going through your your CV as it were just the breadth of different roles that you did within mm. that time. You seemed as though you covered, as you have you just outlined, like mm. absolutely everything. Were you purposefully navigating that when you were there? Or did, was it more just a, oh, this sounds interesting. I might follow that. Or it, did you have any idea of like, okay, this not, is where I'm headed? I knew I want, I knew I liked reading the news and I liked presenting, but I feel like to some extent, um, some of the roles I sort of fell into because I'm naturally quite bossy and uh, I like things to be organized at work. And um, so I was naturally, I would say I was a natural leader. Mm -hmm. You know, I was head girl at high school, used to be captain of the netball team, tennis team, rounders team, <laughs> even hockey team, even though I hated hockey. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, so I think I'm naturally, I'm one of six children. So I think if you're a, a bit outspoken or used to vying to get your voice heard, you're quite, yeah, yeah. You, you kind of naturally are a bit more organised, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and were you aware of that when you were younger as well, about those organisational skills and, and being that type of person? Well, my mum used that to say, you're so bossy. <laughs> <laughs> and also rude. I used to be quite rude to some of her friends. If I like, I know what I don't want. Yeah. Um, not yeah. always what I do want, but I know what I don't want. So. Well, actually, and, so, and I think for people listening to this as well, sometimes I think that's just as important as saying yes. what you do want, knowing that actually this isn't for me. Like if we, if we, this, you know, the reason we have this podcast is because there's such a breadth of roles mm. across the media industry that actually knowing what you're not interested in is just as yes. important as knowing what you are. And to kind of help focus and go, actually, yeah. I'm, I, I am organised. I am 
you know, yeah. I do like to take charge. They're skill sets that I do know that yes. I want to embrace. Whereas, you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. That having that understanding, I think, is super yes. helpful when you're and looking equally, at what... Equally, that really helps if you think about, oh, I didn't know what I wanted to do. That, you know, what I would say is don't worry too much because whatever you do, if it's studying or working somewhere, you know, I was working for free for some of it. <laughs> Um, that experience is transferable in wherever you go so it's not wasted time um, you know doing that and I think sort of when I transitioned full-time to radio I'd actually um, been offered a promotion as a to assistant editor big pay rise and I turned it down to go full-time at radio yeah so amazing sometimes you've got to move across or down to kind of get you know it's not a straight journey you go up and down and round the hills and round the houses sometimes but it's all it's all useful it it, it really does build your resilience um yeah. you know i've i've done lots of jobs um you know and they've all come in they've all come in handy you know yeah I did I've worked in the bingo hall worked in bars um, <laughs> I loved the bingo hall apart from the smoke because you used to be able to smoke in those days you'd just be walking through a cloud of smoke um and at the bingo hall I remember covering for one of the managers uh, doing the main game and everybody said I was so clear and really good that she never let me do it again <laughs> She felt like I was going to take her job. But then again, radio. So the the feeding into talking in front of that many people kind of helps build your resilience and, you know. Of course it does. And how to engage with people, how to present to people the skills that you use later on. Yeah, so I, I was always very, you know, no matter what I job I'm doing, I kind of, I go for it to my the best of my ability and think oh you know it's it's gonna I always want to be doing something well even in a job that you know I in in my job at the newspaper I was really unhappy towards the end because I just wanted to be doing radio and doing something else but I'm I'm quite good at and I always have been even as a child quite good as uh, compartmentalizing so I, I, I was, was unhappy at work, but I always do the job to the best of my ability. Nobody at that workplace would have known that because, I, you know, I'm employed to do a job and I want, I want to do things well and leave mm. a good impression. Yeah, you and always I think leave a good impression because you don't know where, if you're going to end back there. Yeah, exactly. And then where the colleagues might end up, they might end up working yes. in the same place as you. And exactly that you don't know when those worlds might collide again. Yeah. And I think there's also something around self-esteem as well. And yeah. like actually taking pride, even as you say, even yes. if you're really hating that. But you but what's you had a plan as well. You're like, I'm just yeah. going to do everything I can. And I think that if you have that as well, going, right, I'm aiming for here. This is and I'm taking mm. small incremental steps to try and get there. But in the meantime, I've just got to continue doing yeah. this job that actually having that balance probably yeah. helps so a bit. I, I did have that plan and I, it was always, it wasn't until I got into radio, got to, so I was doing what I really wanted to do in terms of the presenting, uh, that I kind of came to a bit of a crossroads of, right, 
management want me to go into management. I love the creative element of this, but which way do I go? So I think sometimes, you know, having said that about the purpose and the focus, when I got to my my focus was radio, got to radio and then then, then what? Think, then yeah. I think to some extent that has been led by others seeing something in me and I I want you to be editor I want you to look after commissioning I want you to do that because I you know I I I find it I don't find it easy but I manage people well Mm. so when you go higher you took the management route you took the management route Mm. even though I still think oh I'd love to do some voice and documentaries and you know I probably could at some point um but at the minute I I kind of went I think now if it was now I'd probably do find a way to do the two because I think I've seen managers do that over the years do a bit of the creative have a podcast but yet you're still managing a team Um, Mm. but I think back then it was very firmly right you've got to make a decision I remember my boss saying you've got to make a decision do you want to be on air or do you want to go into further management Oh, wow. So kind of that kind of clear cut decision yes. as well. And and I think you're right. I think at the I think things have changed quite a lot yes. in the last kind of 15, 20 years when I think there was still this kind of your career is step by step and it goes upwards. And then this mm. is this is a route. But actually, I think now I think, as you say, we're much more flexible mm. in terms of actually you can have this portfolio career and you can have yes. something over here and something over there, especially um, when you especially when you get higher as well. You, you could definitely do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always sort of instilled in my team at, at Newsbeat that actually we I wanted them to be truly multimedia. So they could write, they could go out and film, they could write for online, they could edit, they could do the radio bulletins, they could read the news. So they they are they were a truly multimedia team. And mm. you know, the people have gone on to fly just like so it's it's really i would say to people about not don't pigeonhole yourself yeah it's like you know you've got lots of skills lots of areas and there are lots of places now that allow you to do more than the one thing so to say i'm just a radio reporter well you're not you're expected to do you know social stuff as well film on your phone take pictures and and you you do that naturally you've got a natural mm. skill that's inherent to you that I think sometimes young people don't even see it as a skill but it really is it's yeah. so valuable yeah and, and Debbie what what really strikes me about this conversation is your just pure love of radio just like this it kind of shines through yeah. when you're talking what is it about radio that you, that made you made you when you were young go god this is what i'm going for but also when you're talking about it now just what is it about that platform and that medium I, that you're like god this I is think amazing it's that i was always fascinated how somebody's voice could stop you in your tracks and the way they tell the story being somebody who's quite right, right likes to write it fascinates mm. me that 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 can happen in terms of people just speaking. Um, so I was always drawn to storytelling um, in that kind of way. 
Um, but it was really important to me at Newsbeat to make sure that actually that storytelling skill was like a multi-platform one. So that's mm. why we started making iPlayer videos, um, which I I always see video. And even now in my role at Channel 4, I don't see it as TV. I just see it as video. It's like yeah. um, just that storytelling, especially for a younger audience, is, uh, is, is just like an exciting arena for me because you you can try new things and, and just do anything. Yeah, and you must have been in post when COVID happened as well. On yes, your... yeah, I was yeah. at Newsbeat then. I almost yeah, got Newsbeat. stuck in the Maldives, <laughs> which, yeah. is, which sounds like it's a good thing, but when the biggest story is happening, as an editor, you don't want to be away from it. So no, you want to be amongst it, right? Yes, wanna... even though everybody was saying that would have been the most Debbie thing. Because that's the other <laughs> thing. When you work hard at your career, you 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 have the 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 tools to have that downtime in nice places. <laughs> yeah. So but I. When, I, but when the big stuff happens, you want to be. Yeah, you want to be there. Right. So. So what was that like? Kind. Because one of the things we know about COVID is that young people were really badly hit. So mm. having that responsibility of communicating with young people through those channels mm. must have a been an exciting dynamic place to be at that time because you yes. because of, and that's what's weird about kind of when news stories hits is that when there's tragedies happening from the kind of uh, creative side of telling those stories is it's full on isn't it it's yeah, proper kind of it's, it's a really, really dynamic environment to be in but then communicating the seriousness of what's going on how mm. how did you and the team there at the bbc kind of manage that for young people i think we would that those multimedia skills really came into play uh, during mm. the pandemic because it was nothing for most members of the team to be working remotely they had yeah. the tools they had they understood it um technically it wasn't wasn't as difficult as it was for a lot of people because they were used to it. So, um, you know, we went down to in the office and there'd be five people usually. Um, so I'd do two days in the office. So I didn't have that, also didn't have that, you know, people being stuck at home all the time because I was in the office two days a week. Amazing mm. driving through an empty London yeah. on a sunny day. <laughs> it's like, like just incredible but anyway um I think it was you re you did really feel the responsibility then and I think you know it was down to the team and I had um an excellent deputy called Paul Stanworth who's now at Sky who just embraced it and just we got so creative to the point where we were accused a couple of times of not socially distancing or breaking COVID rules because you couldn't hear it on air. It was so slick and seamless. So we we had to actually incorporate into our way of reporting, you know, I'm here or I'm working from home or I'm stood away away from somebody and and I'm, I'm holding a boon or somebody sent in a voice, voice note and this is the voice note because people were saying, you know, we were, we must have been breaking rules because wow. how did that slick? That's amazing. That's so editorially, crazy. you were having to justify how you were how you were creating things. Yes. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So 
it was it, it did feel like a real responsibility especially for us and we were talking about mental health a lot from the get-go because we kind of knew our audience would be really struggling really struggling and also we had the responsibility of trying to make sure that we were at least presenting all the facts because all the conspiracy theories were particularly rife amongst young people um so yeah so we just kind of gone with it really and 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 just we were very conscious as well of not just making everything dark yeah yeah you needed the light as well yeah yeah. i think we all did but i think particularly for young people yeah that balance must have been critical yeah we did yeah Yeah. amazing so then Demi, after like 17 years at the bbc you decided to move on what how how did that decision come about it's quite a biggie a biggie decision yeah well it was it was going but my edit current editor louisa compton um I worked with her at Newsbeat when she was editor, I was her deputy, and then she had left to go to Channel 4, so she's head of news and sport and specialist uh, docs. Um, and basically, the the role at Channel 4 um, as commission and editor of this new youth strand, it was just, it was too hard to resist because one, that they haven't launched a strand for ages, and two, it just sung to all my years of experience at uh, Radio One and One Extra. It, it, mm-hmm. And again, that audience, I, you know, I love working with that audience and the chance to tell, actually kind of full circle, tell stories in a longer form and a longer way, but no less creative, um, you know, it was just bit too hard to resist (laughs) so yeah and what does and what does that role look like on a day-to-day basis what does what does it actually mean so basically we channel 4 works mainly almost entirely with um independent production companies so there are hundreds of them throughout the uk and so we don't actually have people producing the content outside of channel 4 news channel 4 news is separate does have a team so um somebody will come to us with an idea it might be an independent production company or it might be a journalist who might send me an email um and we consider whether we think it's right for the strand or i'll consider it so i'll guess i'll get probably even now i'll get eight pitches a week eight to ten pitches a week that i'll consider uh and then if we're interested, we I, I'll commission it mm-hmm. and, and commission the indies to make it. And then you're just across helping shape it. So the independent production companies will employ the filmmakers, um, you know, the directors, the producers, uh, the researchers, etc. And then they will make the film for you. Um, my role is to just be there at every stage, helping shape it, make sure it's right for the audience, uh, yeah. make sure the language is right, the characters who are in it are, are, are you know, a young and target age, the story is right, the story arc is interesting. Um, so what's quite unusual about Untold is um, uh, it's it's got a quite a high retention rate and 
industry-wide, people will say, oh, young people don't watch long form, but they watch Untold for mm. quite a long time. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so doing something right on that front. And it's yeah. about getting the right topic, the right story, and the right people to tell it. So, yeah, so it'll be quite intense because it's a series of usually between eight to ten um, episodes. Um yeah and they come one week after the other but you know it's it's it so so what you what will happen is the indie will come up with a script come up with a you know with storyboard of story arc of how it's going to work so you will see various cuts and feedback and then um they'll go away and tweak it and then they'll come back and so it's it's it can be quite intensive at certain times throughout the year um, yeah, sounds doing good. any one of a number of things, um, you know, during the during my day. Um, yeah. But the thrust of it is with the independent production companies. Mm. We also like, you know, have a look at who's out there, who might be right for the film and kind of recommend people to them as well. So if you're if you're wanting to get into direct into documentaries, it's not necessarily me who you're talking to. It's it's looking what films you like out there, documentaries you like out there, and then just check who the independent production company is at the end of any any of the documentaries you see on Netflix or Sky or Channel 4 or ITV. Just have a look for those independent production companies because they are the ones that are hiring the filmmakers, etc. Yeah, I think that's a really good tip for anyone listening is to do that. Just write a list of your favorite documentaries and who's producing them because then you'll start as you say you'll start to get an inkling of kind of the companies that are out there but Debbie how do you when those ideas are coming in and you're reading those pictures how do you make the decision around what is a good story what is going to work because is it is it from a wealth of the kind of knowledge and expertise that you've built up since your, you know your story days when you're a young person and do, do you have a team that do that or is it something instinctive from you it's, how does that work it's in it's it, it's it's part of it is instinctive and part of it is evidence based so i know a lot of the the way things have been covered and how they've gone down with youth audiences and i also look for the evidence look for the social the tag the usage of the tags look google it see if anybody else has already made something um, have a look at how it's playing on, you know, on, on TikTok. How many billions of times have people shared that hashtag, or is it only a couple of million, which isn't a lot at all on TikTok? That's, in- that's um, interesting. You know, and just have a look at how other documentaries on that subject have played out. It might not be exactly well. It, if it's if it's exactly the same thing as the pitch, then we wouldn't pitch it because it's already been done but also looking at, you know, how many views have they got on YouTube? If, if say, Vice has done something in this space, when did they do it? What what was the theme of it? What was the area and how many views um, did it get? And then for me, the crucial thing is, what is the new line? What's the news? We are news and current affairs strand. So there has, mm. it can't just be, I'm really interested in doing something about, I don't know, um, eating disorders it can't just be that and there's so much in that space there has to be something new you're saying either new exclusive figures 
or a new angle or you have a really famous person who is willing to talk about something that they've never spoken about before which is harder gets harder and harder because so many people share so much stuff on their own own channels in their own way nowadays so yeah the ability to tell stories there's so many different platforms to do that isn't there yeah yeah so for me the the number one key point is is it something new stroke newsy what's the journalistic investigation or revelation the journey that someone's going to go on why does this audience in particular 16 to 34s care about it why is it relevant to them actually is it visual because i get some great pitches some of them just aren't they're just not visual so who's going to watch yeah you know and i i will say to people this would make a great podcast but it's not for us um you know or this is suitable for another uh, genre because it's interesting but it's not news and current things mm. so yeah. and then what does the pitch look like what does that document actually look is it a page is it two pages is it 10 is it, 100 well, it, pages? it comes in different forms some people just email me an idea when it's like a, you know three three sentences some of them actually create a deck so there's four or five pages okay. of a4 with pictures etc um so it can be it can be any of those things um okay but usually then there is there is a lot of talking and a lot of back and forth, which is what I would encourage anyone trying to get into the media. You have to develop that resilience to not be offended when somebody says no. Find out why. You've got mm. to find out why and learn from that. And I think particularly in this area as well, where you are pitching, if that is yes. what you are doing, to a commissioner like yourself, then yeah. actually, as you say, there'll be lots of reasons why it's a no, but it could be somewhere else. But for you, it's a no at this time. And I think, as you say, building yeah. up that strength of character to go, okay, fine, I'll move on yeah. and I'll, I'll look at another idea for you, I think is absolutely. Yes. And you think that you could, I, for me, I can, I can, to some extent, tell the people who are going to be successful because they've pitched to me about 30 times. And that's that's what should be happening. And those pitches have got better and better and better. And then they've got one commissioned. You have to be resilient and learn from learn from the nose. Take the feedback because when people actually take the time to give you feedback, they're not doing it because they want to have a go. No, they're doing it because they want to support yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. So listen to it and take that advice on board. Yeah. How would you? recommend young people kind of navigate their steps in their career kind of going back to what we were saying earlier that quite often careers were viewed as step one step two Mm. step three how would you advise young people now looking at careers particularly if they want to get into kind of news and current affairs and presenting what what kind of would you I think it is you've got to start doing doing it yourself because so many there's you've got all the tools to start doing things yourself doing reports yourself is there an area of interest that you can uh, do a short film on on your iphone because you can do short films on your iphone cultivate your social media pages so they are good social media pages you know i'm I'm not saying that you need to just totally be cut out anything personal but just be mindful of what you're putting up and actually if what you're putting up is personal but looks good that's 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 already saying something i always look at people's social media 
to see if they really understand the audience they're trying to make content for because mm. that's so important i am busy but i do try and get back to people honestly yeah. and most people in the industry will give you they will give you five minutes if you're asking for two hours or asking to go to lunch maybe not but if you're asking mm. for 10 minutes yeah. and usually that's enough time then yeah. you know or you're sending them an email and asking them questions they they usually reply yeah yeah they do and i and i think that's absolutely right as well because as you said people want to support people mm. coming into the industry they want to see that diverse talent coming in yeah. and if they have five minutes they absolutely will yeah will do and, that so and do find out about the people you're pitching to don't send the same email or the same dm to you know somebody uh, yeah to everybody <laughs> you know show that you've done a little bit of homework and you know who you're pitching to don't send a blanket channel four email find out okay what who would this suit or who would be the best person to give me advice on this mm -hmm. and then yeah it's easy enough if you can't find people's email then you're probably not in the right field of media if you can't find a basic email because most people's email is out there yeah um, yeah it is or, absolutely oh <laughs> you can guess <laughs> yeah and i think i think that's a really important point because i think sometimes there are lots of barriers into yeah. this industry there are and that this podcast is trying to break down some of those by providing mm. those links to information and organizations and people but as you say that do some research as well yeah. because actually you'll find out you know the production company and you'll find out the producer and therefore and the email addresses and all of that a lot of that information is accessible so utilize that information where you can and make the most of it because yeah. as you say people want to help and give you guidance and support and just, you've got to keep going because you have to build that resilience up because it is a tough industry that everybody well a lot of people want to get into and Debbie, what, what what advice would you, if you were looking back to your 18 year old self going into university, what would you <laughs> advice would you give yourself now having kind of navigated your career to this point? What advice do you think the younger Debbie might have wanted to hear or needed to hear? Yeah, listen to your gut, which I have done largely through my career. I guess find somebody who you can talk to who is somebody who can be a sponsor almost as opposed to just a mentor you know have somebody who you can who you can call up or message and say look i'm thinking this what do you think or can we have a chat or i'm really worried about this or i've done this or find somebody who you can be honest with almost at a higher level level than you yeah um, i think that i think having someone like that is really important it just yeah gives you that external sounding board that just provides that different perspective and will know you and we know you well but so yeah. can kind of understand where where you what might be best for you that you might not be able to see so clearly yeah yeah and just yeah just just go for it keep keep working hard and if it's not quite right then think about actually what elements are still going to serve me well Oh, Debbie, you, you've also just, you've got a new role coming up. Yes, you've just, I do. You've, as, as I mentioned at the top, you've just been announced as the new editor at Five News for ITN. So congratulations on your forthcoming you. role. 
um you're navigating the next step in your career yeah. so what's what can we expect for you at your new role what's going to be Ooh. exciting and challenging <laughs> for you? um I mean five news is in a really good place and it is absolutely punching above its weight and growing uh, which is quite unusual in the current climate um I guess for me what I hope to bring to the team there who are are just brilliant um is a bit more of the digital side of it and a bit more of the personal side of it so really bring the audience through even more into the content that they are already producing and really amp up the original journalism the original stories so that you know you could you you'll know when you see a five story that everybody else is reporting on so that's the goal Amazing. <laughs> I'm in a very lucky position of starting from a place where I don't have to worry I don't have to come in and make sweeping changes um you know straight away it will yeah. be... they're doing good stuff already yeah, so, yeah. yeah. they're yeah. really good well, good luck. We can't wait to Thank see you. what you do there. <laughs> and just finally, before we wrap up, could you tell me why you love this industry so much? What keeps it exciting and dynamic for you? And why do you want to continue to remain within the media industry? I guess it's the stories. It is. It's, it's back to that. We've come full circle. I'm just interested in stories and people and they surprise you all the time. It's always different, even if it's the same story it's different there's a different spin in it and the characters are different and it just changes all the time um and it's it's just fascinating and it just it means that i'm just constantly learning all the time which yeah. i think is a good thing <laughs> yeah it's always a good thing isn't it every yeah. day is a school day yeah um, and you meet so many people and you know that's that's the other thing i would say that if you are just starting out and you're a young person that I love working with people of all ages because you learn, you learn from each other. It's not just about, oh, you're coming in and you'll learn from me because I've got loads of experience. I will learn from you as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, do bear that in mind and, and keep your worth in mind. <laughs> know your worth. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I that's a perfect place and message to to wrap on debbie thank you so much for no worries today. at all Kelly. it's been lovely chatting to you and good luck at five news thank you <laughs>